Hey there, listeners. This is Brian from the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Uh, we've been uh, a little behind schedule, getting everybody coordinated and sick and not working and not whatever, getting new episodes to you. We've got a couple more Christmas episodes coming before the holidays. But this week, legendary TV producer Norman Lear died at the ripe old age of 101. And we did an episode about Norman Lear. It was the 13th episode of the podcast. And so this week... In tribute to Norman Lear, enjoy a repeat of episode 13 of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Rest in peace, Norman Lear. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Hey kids, today we're going to start our exploration of 70s television. It was going to be a single episode that covered all of the different genres of 70s television, but we noticed our episodes are getting longer and longer, and there was a lot of TV to cover in the 70s. So instead, we're just going to cover one subject today, the Norman Lear Cinematic Universe. Long before Tony Stark, Thor, Hulk, Captain America, and those other two started the Avengers, Norman Lear was a television producer with a penchant for joining his TV series into one big interconnected universe. There was All in the Family, a sitcom about the Bunker family with a right-wing patriarch with racist, sexist, homophobic, and otherwise outmoded opinions, his long-suffering wife, his doormat daughter, and his deadbeat liberal son-in-law. This begat Maud, a sitcom about a woman with fabulous breasts who lived with her parents. Maud starred Adrian Barbeau and some other people. Adrian Barbeau was born in Sacramento, California in 1945. It would okay, be several no, years. No, I'm sorry. I need to cut in. We did today's show on 70s television, and halfway through, I, I admit, I got bored. Because the 70s really were boring. You millennials today think of the 70s in the lens of cool movies that took place in the 70s. The reality is, the whole decade was tan and hazy, and everything was depressing and dull. And television reflected that, including many of the sitcoms, because they just weren't funny. With some bright exceptions, beautiful exceptions, such as Adrian Barbo's chest. Uh, okay, I awful. need to cut in again. Jeez, I'm, I'm really sorry. I know how hokey this, this premise is, but I, I just had to say, Adrian Barbo's boobies. So, yeah, this week I'm either too loud or too soft. I'm not sure. I'm trying to find the right distance from the microphone. And so I'm just sort of looking at those wave levels and moving my head back and forth like uh, there, here, no here, no here, no here. So your, your listening enjoyment of this show this week is going to be spotless. And your back is going to hurt like a bitch by the end hey, of the Hey, it's podcast. all for the audience. It's all for the <laughs> listeners. Okay. Well, who's, who's got point on this one? Uh, I do. But before we get to it, I think we need something fresh. This shit is fresh. So this is the part where we talk about what we enjoyed this week, media wise. Uh, Brian, go. I got a bunch of stuff. Um, so first of all, uh, at the prompting of Chris, I finally started watching Rick and Morty. Yay. Yes, get swifty. <laughs> so I've seen uh, roughly half of it by now. I, I watched all the <laughs> stuff that was on like the Adult Swim app, and now I'm just hitting the internet for all the the gaps. But definitely worth the recommendation. Uh, thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I don't want to really talk about it, but we have been watching Game of Thrones, and this has been a very fan service season of Game of Thrones, but god damn is the plot moving quickly. Here's a little thing that Nancy told me today. Uh, apparently, the costume director, uh, when he made all of the capes 
for Jon Snow and his little black army, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Those are just rugs from Ikea. Huh. Nice. I was making fun of some people at work this week who were talking about Game of Thrones because I don't watch it. I think I'm the only one who doesn't watch it. And in the middle of their conversation, I, I had to, 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 to chime in with, this week I rolled my 20-sided die and I slayed a dragon <laughs> and then I went past the crossbows. <laughs> and um, they didn't care for it. Things are bumping in West Eros. <laughs> it took me and my wife a little while to get get into it because the first season is really rapey. Mm-hmm. But we we did catch up to the world, and now we're just you know it's we've watched so much of it. We're like, okay, we're strapped in for this ride. But they've definitely in past seasons the plot moved at unbelievably glacial pace, and now that they know they've got to wrap it up quickly, they are like, and it's a completely different show. Mm. I watched up to the second season, and then I've read the. F- the first four books. You read the books. <laughs> of course he read the books. The first four. I didn't read that last one, the, the dragon. <laughs> He's Chris Ryerson. He's got to read the books so that he can go, I didn't watch that shit. I read the books. Yeah, you're, you're better than us, Chris. <laughs> you're better. If you thought the show was rapey, uh, just read the fucking book. But I can't watch the show, because, and I think I've told Eric this already, Peter Dinklage looks exactly like Eric, and it bothers me. Ooh. <laughs> say elf one more time yeah um two other things so today i went to the game on expo at the phoenix convention center it's a classic gaming show so a lot of vendors selling old games and i went hunting for stuff stuff hunter a little side note there eric has had in his possession uh for like decades some of my games and some of his which he uh, was gracious enough to let me have, <laughs> but in- included in, and he kept them in pristine condition, by the way. Like, yeah. good on you. Because he's, he's Eric. Because <laughs> I'm anal retentive and I pack things properly. And... <laughs> I played with it yes. once. And then I, I left it in the plastic. I didn't play with it once. What are you, a Philistine? Among them was some 32X <laughs> software, and I've never owned a 32X, so I bought one today. Good luck with that. What was the 32X? 32X, okay, was like. E- one of the several things you would attach to a Sega Genesis was the Genesis oh. and then the CD drive and then right, the right, tracks right, on right. top of that and then like an olive and a you know a little flag. Yeah, I bought pretty much the only games that are worth playing on 32X today. And that makes it even harder for me the next time I go to one of these shows because I kind of own everything and there's not a whole lot for me yeah. to hunt at them anymore. I did see a game that I sold for like a few hundred bucks several years ago selling for 600 and something dollars today and that was kind of... Oh, I guess I could have sat on that. I'll tell you what, Brian. I've still got all my 32X games, even though I don't have a 32X that works anymore. Mm -hmm. So next time I see you, I'll float those to you, because I think I had all the ones that were worth playing, including Star Trek Starfleet Academy. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I don't have that one. It was a fun thing. The problem is... For whatever reason, it would burn out. I went through like three of them. Really? And so I think I think you need to be careful not to play it too long. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it will It'll it will ah, implode. Yeah. Neat. Well, I the one I bought appears to have never been used. Um, the box was a little beat up, but everything in it was like mint. So right. it'll last at least a week before it blows up. I got into those things like every system. I got into it on the tail end so I could do everything on the cheap, right? When I got one, they had just a ton of them, just a ton of them at Toys R Us stacked one on top of the other because they never sold any of them. So I'd play it. I'd burn it out. I'd go back. I'd get another one for 20 bucks, and I did that three times, and then they didn't have them anymore. And so now I've got these cool games I can't play. So all I'm saying is be careful. What does the X stand for? Uh, excrement. <laughs> 32 okay. of them I've got I got two more nice. quick ones it was a busy week co-worker of mine uh, hit me to the fact there's a new Gary Newman album coming out and the single just landed It's the song is called My Name is Ruin My Name Um, apparently his like tween age daughter is singing back up and appears in the video for it. And it's actually really quite good. Gary Newman seems to still be relevant uh, and also seems to have been listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails. We're, we're going to see him in a couple weeks. Cool. Is he going to play some Two Boy Army stuff? Wait, you're going to see whom? Gary Newman. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's coming here. His album from from a few years ago was pretty good. It was it was like about his breakup or something, and it was just like raw and and shitty it was great the new album is called savage and i've only heard two tracks off of it but it seems to be uh holding up finally i did see a movie i went and saw atomic blonde huh. have either of you seen that nope have not 
Okay, so this this movie could have come out in 1989 when it is set, and I think it would have played exactly the same. <laughs> it's it's a well done 1989. It's the guy that made it. He's the guy that did the John Wick. Thing, it's one right? of the John Wick guys, yeah. And Charlize Theron okay. is all sorts of naked and ass kicking in this movie. This, this movie has got all the boobs and blood that you need. I don't know about that. I need an awful lot of boobs and blood, man. Well, okay, it probably doesn't have as many boobs as you need then, but uh, you know, it, it's nice to see them do the thing where people who are in big fights get really tired, right? So they're just like, by the end of these fight sequences, they're literally in the same room, like a couple feet from each other, and they're both just like sprawled on the floor, going, you know, hold on a minute, I'll get, you know, I'll get to you. But uh, the needle drops are all over this thing, and they're diegetic for the most part. So, like, you know, songs are playing on the radio. What does diegetic mean? That's a word I don't know. It it means that there is a sound source in the scene that is supposed to be playing that song. Oh. So. Uh, you know, songs might end when somebody presses stop or whatever. So how would this compare to, say, uh, Pickle Rick? <laughs> have you seen Pickle Rick yet? Uh, well, I have seen Pickle Rick. Have you seen it? Have you seen it yet, Eric? No, I have not. I'm trying to catch up. Oh, God. Well, then we'll, we won't say anything else because it's like lots of spoilers. But basically, it's the best 20 minute action movie you will ever see in your entire fucking life. <laughs> it, it, it is that. And I would I would say Pickle Rick is worth a rewatch before Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde's a good Netflix movie. Um, you know, I, I like that they went for 1989 as the setting. They did it because the Berlin Wall is coming down. The Berlin Wall is a big sort of thematic piece of the movie. But really what it meant is that from a production design standpoint, they can do 80s, but we're getting sick of the 80s and everything's a little too neon and a little too tacky and it works. Um, but ultimately the plot is like, it's got its head up its own ass. The writers are like, Ooh, here's a clever twist we can add, and they're, they're like outsmarting themselves. Twists don't land if you don't care about the characters or what's happening, <laughs> um, and that and that kind of happened. So, yeah, it's it's worth a it's worth a Netflix. It's not worth a movie theater ticket. I'll probably catch it on Netflix then. Yeah, I figured I would too. It's the same thing with John Wick. I, I don't care. I caught part of it and I <laughs> went, "Yeah, I was right. This is shit." I got up to the point in John Wick where the they kill his dog, and yeah. then he goes on a murderous rampage because they killed his dog. Isn't and that the I movie? Thought, I'm like, this is a whole movie about a killer whose dog is murdered, and so he's getting vengeance for his dog. That's a great idea, frankly. I don't know what the movie was that's about, the, but that's at least a great that's, idea. That's you kill my dog, about. I'll kill fucking everyone you've ever met. <laughs> yeah. I like that idea for a movie. That yeah. that is what John Wick is supposed to be about. I haven't seen it. Now, are, does does John yeah. Wick basically look like uh, Americanized The Raid? Uh, no, it's not. It's because Atomic Blonde kind of plays that way. It's a little more sprawling. So it's. I mean, The Raid is basically just that one building, right? Uh, I mean, if you want, if you want a straight adaptation of sorts of the raid then you just need to watch the 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 dread movie yeah i heard that was basically i want to see the raid too i haven't seen that i hear it's really insane electric boogaloo it's a good one yeah that's that's the raid too yeah raid two electric boogaloo (laughs) well all right anybody else got new stuff uh let's see glenn campbell died which is kind of a bummer so i went back and rewatched a documentary on the netflix called the wrecking crew which oh, is about the yes. studio musicians from the 60s in L.A. that pretty much played on every record that you will ever love. Uh, and that one's, that's a pretty cool flick. Yeah. Because it's just nothing, nothing, nothing but song after song after song after song. You're like, I waited shit. for that to show up on Netflix for years. Like, I knew of the movie, and it wasn't on fucking Netflix. I'm like, this is the perfect Netflix movie. It finally showed up. Definitely worth watching. Yeah. So, watch it, Eric. I will. They played on a lot of the Beach Boys <laughs> stuff and a lot of the Motown stuff. I've heard of them. Yeah, basically Pet Sounds was done by a backup band that wasn't even done. It was Brian Wilson and then all these studio musicians. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard of the. I and and I I know that like a lot of that uh, yacht rock era of the late seventies, early eighties was a bunch of studio musicians who finally just formed into bands. Yeah. After playing on everybody else's shit for years, but well, after yeah. last week, I realized that the middle eighties was still Giorgio Moroder, who apparently was driving dance music for 10 years. Yeah. It's the man. But yeah, Glenn Campbell was one of the uh, musicians. So Glenn Campbell actually played on Pet Sounds, and I think 
he went on tour with the Beach Boys in place of, I want to say in place of Brian Wilson. I can't remember which one, but Glenn Campbell played on stage with the Beach Boys during hmm. the tour in the mid-60s. Huh. Is that before or after True Grit? When was True Grit? That was like 68. So that was kind of just as he was coming into being popular. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it was before his, uh, his TV show, I think, but well before Rhinestone Cowboy and all that stuff. So I watched that. That's pretty much uh, all I watched. And then I did start reading uh, Ready Player One again. Mm. Uh, now that the the big fat trailer is out. And uh, I didn't really remember too much of the book, other than I was kind of irritated by it when I read it the first time. <laughs> it's pretty um, effervescent. You know, it just kind of fizzes and disappears. Or evanescent, I guess, is the real word. Huh? Well, it wants to be Neuromancer. It wants to be Snow Crash, uh, but it's just not. It wants to be this podcast, a big Gen X memory lane trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it literally wants to be Willy Wonka in the Matrix. And uh, I just, I don't understand how they, they're going to pull it off filmically, but I guess if Spielberg's doing it, they're going to go gangbusters. They're going to mine the Warner Brothers library. I remember thinking that whole Pokemon Go thing was very Ready Player One, but nobody seemed to catch it. Well, that's because it was dumb. Yeah, but everybody was walking around in Pokemon the streets Go. trying to find... You know, <laughs> yeah, get, yeah, getting hit by cars yeah. and falling off curbs. We played quite a bit of Pokemon <laughs> Go around well, here. Uh, Jolene is super, or was well, super into it for a bit. and My my son is a Pokemon yeah. maniac. He is literally caught in like all 700 and I don't want to know Pokemon in several games now. And I'm like, this is why you don't have friends. <laughs> I used Pokemon to teach my nephew uh, about mutually inclusive and mutually exclusive. I can't remember what brought it up, but I had to tell him, okay, hey, Patrick, are all Pikachu Pokemon? Yes, but are all Pokemon Pikachu? Oh, I get it. It was this really weird sort of unfolding of a five-year-old mind using Pokemon. So, Eric, what about you? Got any fresh shit? Yes, I do. No, I don't. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) uh, some. Okay. I do. I don't. Maybe... Okay. It's kind of stale shit. I've been watching two things. Uh, uh, one with my wife, which is a Netflix show called Ozark, which okay. is kind of fun. Um, it's sort of a mix of a, a, a family sitcom and Breaking Bad. And it's uh, Jason Bateman and Laura Linney and their two uh, kids played by actors who I have no godly clue what their names are but they are all in the ozark while he's trying to launder money for a drug kingpin who has told him he'll kill him if he doesn't wash all this money and it's it's really interesting to watch just how fucked they are every episode and just get out of being fucked just like breaking bad but otherwise it's yeah it, oh yeah that's right and in the first episode he finds out that his wife was cheating on him because he hired a detective to follow her uh, uh when she finds out that he's going to be killed by this drug kingpin if they don't do this ozark thing he came up with she takes all his money and tries to leave and so they hate each other but they love each other but they hate each other and it's it's just it's just evil and funny the entire time but it's mostly just Scary. I've seen the marketing for it, you know, because it's, you know, you turn on Netflix and whatever they want to pimp, by God, you're going to see it. But I had no idea Jason Bateman was in the show. Jason Bateman directs like the first two or three episodes and they're the best ones. He's really good. I like him. He's, you know, he's our age and he's a cynical old bastard. And yeah, I, I can relate to Jason Bateman. Yeah, it makes me want to go watch Bad Words. It's fun <laughs> to watch the first couple of episodes because, like I said, he's in... Uh, a really tense situation where you know he's going to get killed his family's going to get killed and every time he's kind of fucked he just goes into this you can kill me now if you want but here's how that's gonna this is gonna work and he's he's very smart but he also doesn't give a shit anymore and that's (laughs) really refreshing to watch somebody who's like um okay look if you're ready to kill me right now you should probably do that because (laughs) here's all the bad things that's going to happen to you if you don't you gotta watch it. But the other thing I've been watching, and this is not so fresh, but it kind of uh, season four of uh, uh, Agents of Shield, which I've come back to. Oh, 
I I was really down on Agents of Shield by like season two, but I've been watching it some more lately, and it came back. Did it? Because I I hung in there through season three, and then I quit because I was just tired. I got lost somewhere. I think in the middle of season three. I, uh, there's a whole bunch of crap going on with Daisy and the humans, and it uh, and they're like off in their little Shangri La. And I uh, right. Oh, at some point we just. Like Doctor Who came back and we're like, okay, we're not watching Agents of Shield now. We're watching Doctor Who. No, again. that's where I faded yeah. to with Daisy and her mom. But I, I, when they really started talking about the Inhumans, I remembered that book, The Inhumans, and I'm like, ooh, maybe we're going to get to the Inhuman royal family because that's where the real shit happens with Inhumans. Mm-hmm. Will you be watching the Inhumans TV show when it comes out? I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, because that's gonna. that's the thing. But uh, Medusa mm-hmm. and all of those. But no, the the thing is, I'm watching this, and yeah, it's got its good parts and its bad parts, but I realize, one, I love it because it's actually translating comic books. Even though there wasn't an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. book to base it on, they get comics right. They get that feel right. This uh, Season four has Ghost Rider, and it's a much better Ghost Rider than those two films. Yeah, I want to get back and see this. Yeah, it's good. But, uh, but I guess my point is, this, you know, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., pretty good. I'll say that. It's pretty good. Daredevil, seriously good. Um, the Defenders, I'm looking forward to. I haven't done season two of Daredevil. Jessica Jones was really Jessica good. Jessica Jones is But the awesome. thing is, I think comic books, comic books only really work on TV because you need that much time to fill it out. I think of the Marvel movies and they're trying to stuff way too much into less than two hours. And I think that's why I don't care for it. Mm, I really, I mean, we have it on our list, but yeah. I think we're going to get to the Marvel universe sometime soon. You need to, you need to watch it all the way through. And then when you get to Iron Fist, let me know. Cause, uh, that's a scrote punch <laughs> and a half right there. That one. Really? So, uh, oh, it's just, uh, Fuck you. That's basically what I say to Daredevil and all the rest of them when they get to Iron Fist because it's just, man, I think we found the weak link in this chain. <laughs> I watched season one of Daredevil and I watched Jessica Jones. I haven't done Luke Cage. I haven't done Iron Fist. I don't know that I'm ever going to bother oh, with oh, either of them. No, season two. Season two of Daredevil because you get Punisher and Punisher. that's the and shit. It's, it, it's, it's all about Punisher. I, I swear to Christ, I wouldn't care about anything if they would just give me a Punisher show. Oh, they're making one. What's his name from 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 yeah. Walking Dead? Um, I can never his remember name his name. Like yeah, he's the perfect Punisher. Anyway, yeah, him. He, yeah, he's John the perfect perfect uh, uh, Punisher. Well, he's getting a Punisher show, so, yeah, so that's, that's in production right now. Yay! And Luke Cage is okay for the most part, but with most of the Marvel Netflix stuff, they give them 13 episode runs when they really only need maybe nine. So they got to pad it a lot. That was the thing about Daredevil was like, it's so depressing and so grim. And and, and then it's just endless, right? And I'm just like, I don't want to. You didn't like the episode with Kingpin killing his dad with a hammer? I loved you know that. I, I liked the first <laughs> season, but it could have been done in five episodes. Uh, I, I do want to say this. You said Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have a fundamental problem with it in that, A, they brought back Coulson. Yeah, which they did. Which takes all of, uh-huh. all of the stakes out of the Marvel movies. Like, the one character that, that actually got killed in the in the Avengers is not dead. Really? There are stakes in the Marvel movies? I didn't know there were any stakes in the yeah, Marvel movies. But that's movies. kind of my point. That, like, it makes it even <laughs> lo- lower stakes. And then you know, they actually have Sam Jackson and Colby Smulders have both uh, guessed it on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as has the Jamie Alexander did Lady Sif in the Thor movies. But after all of these years, we're several years in now, and still nobody on the Avengers has heard, hey, by the way, that whole thing about Coulson being dead that was manipulating you, nah, yeah. it was bullshit. Well, that's the thing. If any of those other movies were TV shows, they'd have time to explore it. But as it is, you've got 90 minutes to get through the the action of just a movie and then there's 10 minutes devoted to your study notes for the next avengers movie and you have 90 characters now (laughs) i think this is a discussion for another show i think we had (laughs) on our marvel show there's gonna be a couple marvel shows yeah our marvelous show marvelous marvelous hey fuck you guys i've been enjoying the marvel cinematic universe we'll get there I've been off and on. <laughs> we'll get there. Speaking of Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. Yeah. You see what we led up there? I queued you up, Eric. You yeah. got to take it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you set up that alley-oop, and I took it to the um, the <laughs> thing on the thing with the, the netting and the hole. Boom shakalaka. Yeah, so this week, 70s TV shows. We were going to do one long show on 70s TV shows, but then we realized 10 years contains a lot of television. 
So we, we're breaking it up. And we watched it all. We watched it all. Chris watched it all. I think off and on. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I watched some stuff, and I have very specific memories of some stuff. Like, I, I, I was all into The Incredible Hulk, Incredible of Hulk. Uh, Incredible Hulk. Yeah. The, Incredible Hulk. Guys. And I wasn't allowed to watch some other things. I, I loved soap. But I was amazed when we were doing research on this that the uh, Norman Lear shows are all interconnected by individual characters. And so I call it the Norman Lear Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Years before Marvel, they were stringing together shows that were interconnected uh, in a, a loving and entertaining way. It's true. I was also sort of amazed when I looked at that because it never really connected, but All in the Family begat, Maude begat, blah, blah. Right. But if you look too, there's also the, uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show. Mm-hmm. And that's got a bunch of spinoffs as well. Right. That was sort of the DC cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. It's sort of like the Marvel versus DC right. uh, of 70s sitcoms. It was very weird. So, well, just very quickly, All in the Family, which was about uh, Archie Bunker, who is a right-wing, quasi-racist, you know, just guy who I always had a measure of sympathy for because here's the deal. I don't really believe Archie Bunker is a man full of hate. Archie Bunker is a guy who's fucking tired. He's just tired. He just wants to be left a goddamn alone and to watch his wrestling. And he's got this shrieking wife and this morose daughter and a, a, an asshole son-in-law. And they're always jabbering at him. I'm pretty sure that he would just be live and let live if they would leave him alone. Do you like being alone with me? Certainly I like being alone with you, Edith. Turn on the TV. <laughs> I don't miss him. We're going to have a beautiful, peaceful week here without him. They're doing what they want to do. We can do what we want to do. We've got a little privacy now. We can do a lot of things we couldn't do with the kids hanging around. Boy. That's what that show is about. When's the last time you watched any of it? Uh, actually, for this episode, I watched a couple, and I, I was like, yeah, I'm right, once again. Oh man! <laughs> did you watch the Steve? Did you watch the Sammy Davis Jr. episode? Uh, I remember that one, the one where he gets the kiss. That one, that one I watched. Yeah, that was pretty good. Oh no, his opinions are are deplorable. Don't no no question. But the thing is, he wouldn't share them if people would just leave him the fuck alone. I just don't see the show that way. He is constantly up in everybody's business about his opinions, and he's pissed off that that he that the world isn't bending to his will. I just I. Don't see the same show. <laughs> oh, jeez, will you just hold on a second over there? And let's just talk about this. I don't know. I've imagined like a show of Archie Bunker where he comes home from work and nobody's home. He sits at his chair and he watches wrestling for 30 minutes and then they roll the commercials. That would be Archie Bunker's existence. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, I think maybe it's because I've approached middle age and part of my life is just leave me alone. I just went through nine hours of I need to just do nothing. Bite me. You have no children. Hey, 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 yeah. hey, hey, don't don't blame me for preparation. Okay, I knew having kids was a goddamn mistake. Nope, I'm, I support you in that and everybody else who makes that decision. I have dogs. My dogs are never going to sell drugs. They're never going to be on the pole. Uh, their <laughs> dogs are perfect. Holy crap, Eric. You are Archie Bunker. That's why you like it so much. So I don't know how to talk about All in the Family and be funny um, at this point. Like, All right. As we record this, there's like all this shit about like a Nazi rally yesterday. And then I, this morning I'm watching a bunch of Archie Bunker and all I can really look at, you know, Archie is very much the, the Trump voter. Archie is very much the white guy who's like, Hey, you don't know nothing about lady Liberty standing there in the hub with her torch on high. Screaming out the wall of nations in a world. Send me your poor, your deadbeats, your filthy. All the nations sent them in here. They come swarming in like ants. Your Spanish PRs from the California. Your Japs, your Chinamen, your Krauts and your Heaps. Uh, you know, the, the theme song to the show is basically, hey, you know, we had it great when the white dudes were in charge of the whole show and now everything's rotting and I want it to go back to the way it was. Girls were girls and men were men. Mr. We could use a man like I built over again. Didn't need no welfare states. Everybody pulled his weight. Yeah. 
I'm watching this and I'm I'm realizing how relevant it is, and I'm like, nothing has changed. The show came out like when I was born, and everything is still exactly stuck in the same place. And it's, it's it was a hard watch for me. The only good news I could say is this was a show that was modeling how to get along with each other when one part of your family is of one mindset another part of the family is in a different mindset and we i don't even know if people would watch that today well it almost didn't get watched when it first came out uh because it was so different because in the 60s you had all of those like we'll call them rural comedies if you will like the beverly Mm -hmm. hillbillies green acres and all that crap and then you also had just the the weirdly fantastic ones like bewitched and i dream of genie and then Gilligan, etc. It was like the 60s, they just put up blinders and didn't want to address anything that was going on, uh, which is weird to me because it was such a volatile decade. And so it, stuff like All in the Family sort of comes out of that. And then it's suddenly, you're, you're in your living room watching this shit and you're thinking, oh, okay, I, okay, I get it now. And that's kind of what it is. Uh, it's just pushing the buttons to kind of get everybody maybe into a dialogue but it almost didn't work and CBS almost pulled it. And then apparently they did a skit during the Emmys that year uh, and everybody loved it. And then suddenly people were talking about it and then suddenly the show was a big hit. And then it was like number one for five years straight. The thing is with Americans, we're not really good at irony. And this show wasn't about, you know, uh, 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 the good old days of, of racism and hatred. And y- y- it was about turning a mirror on people who were fucked up and saying, look, this is really how you sound and look and act when you're being this way. It was, it was very much not a conservative romp through re- yesteryear. It was, you know, it was in fact, I think it's relevant today because they're do it did something no one does today, which is to actively engage the Trump voter. That's what I'm saying. And say, here's why what you're doing is, yeah, negative. But also to actively engage the liberal, like, you know, the, the Rob Reiner meathead character mm-hmm. ha- has to see Archie's perspective has to find ways to relate to Archie, to respect mm-hmm. him, to, to, you know, to, to love him. And, um, we're just not doing that anymore. It's like everybody wants to present a utopia or a very sort of black and white vision of everything. And there's, there isn't, I was taken aback by how relevant all in the family is to this moment and how I don't see a lot of examples of here's how you still get along with your racist uncle. Well, it's because it doesn't exist. That's the rub. But, but it was like the number one show on television for years. It, there's money there. Yeah. 40 years ago <laughs> come on but the thing the thing that i thought was interesting was i i went back and and for my quote-unquote research found all of the the first seasons of all the the big spinoffs uh so we're talking mod yeah oh let me go through that list because i did do a little bit of preparation so the first spinoff was mod uh, and Maud is actually the cousin of Edith, so she goes off and has her show, and then... And she's sort of the, li- the liberal version of Archie Bunker. Yeah, the bra-burning feminist version of Archie Bunker. Then there's Good Times, which it was a spinoff of Maud, where uh, Florida Evans' Florida. character... Uh, yeah, she, she's her maid, and so they, they, we go off and we meet them, and Jimmy Walker and Dynamite and all that. Dynamite! Uh, the Jeffersons. I, I remember Mr. Jefferson making an appearance on All in the Family, and he was just a black guy who had money. He wasn't as, mm-hmm. you know, the flamboyant George Jefferson. Once he got his own show, then he was hilarious. And The Walk. The Walk kills me. The Walk, yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the arms cracked back. There was Checking In, where they tried to give a show to uh, Florence, the maid. That went on for like four weeks, and it went off the air, and then they stuck her back on The Jeffersons. Mm-hmm. Um, that must be must hurt to be that actress. I I don't remember her name, but because she was also on two two seven, that was supposed to be her show. Marla Gibbs, and no one remembers her because it was all about Jack Hay. Well, yeah, but with two two seven, you say what you will, but she Marla Gibbs ran that show. I mean, that was hers. Oh yeah, she did. I've seen it. I've s- I had I had to look it up. I thought two two seven was the spinoff show, but it totally isn't. No, no. But Marla Gibbs ran that thing. I, I, I saw some clip. 
where she was talking about how they, they were in the writer's room and they had the joke that she wanted. And then the writer said the other joke and it's like, well, we got, we like this one better. That's funny. And she says, Oh, you, you, you like that one? Do you? She's like, well, why don't we just take some scissors? We'll cut that out. And you can take it home and keep it. Huh. I mean, she ran that like a, a she ran that like a, a tightly run ship. I tell you. Yeah. There was Gloria, yep. which was right after her oh, and the family God. went off the air. Do you remember that? Where they tried to give her a show? Oh, and it was awful. It's like the yep. least interesting character of the whole bunch. The very yeah, she's least so interesting. Shrill. She's so shrill. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. I hate Sexist. Uh, let's see. Archie Bunker's place. <laughs> okay. Where Edith is Which dead, was also awful. And he has like a bar. Yeah, it was like Aftermash. Yeah. It was like, we, we still want to have this show, but... I remember, like, the commercials for that came on CBS, and I'm just like, why? Let it die. I'm like, I'm, I'm like 12 or something, and I'm just like, really? <laughs> and then the, the best and the last one, uh, mm-hmm. from 1994, 704 Hauser. I heard mm-hmm. of this I just, when this came out. I just read about that one today. Yeah. Yep. 704 Hauser is a uh, black liberal family that, with a conservative son... Get it? So it's like conservative with the 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 liberal son. Now it's now it's conser- liberals with the the, the the conservative son, and they live in the Wasn't same that called house. Family ties. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, they live in the same house <laughs> on the same. No, no, set. they were black, Brian. And oh, sorry. So it's I, like I, we're gonna have the yeah, same I, dynamic, know. but in the same. Oh, you guys go ahead and talk. I'm just gonna finish. And so they're Incredible. all in the same floor plan on on a set. It was actually yeah, it was the Archie Bunker house. That was the yeah. address. Yeah. And then there was Sanford and Son, which was its own thing. Yeah, I was hoping to find a connection with Sanford and Son and one day at a time. The other Norman Weir uh, shows, but there was none. Yeah. But the thing that struck me about the core shows is basically they're all constructed the same way. Mm-hmm. They just flip the switch just a little bit. So Maud is just the upwardly mobile Democrat liberal version of Archie Bunker. So they get to skewer the misplaced white guilt and that sort of thing. So I was raised by a single mother who was uh, very much, you know, women's lib in the 70s. And she was a college professor. And all of her friends were very, I mean, you see these things. There's a, there's a character Rachel Dratch plays on Kimmy Schmidt that's a college professor and her college professor friend. And, and all of these stereotypes ring true to me. I don't know how <laughs> I missed Maud. As a kid, because holy cow, is is this like exactly the circles my mother was was in the whole time? <laughs> yeah, God'll get you for that, Walter. Yeah. That was a tagline. I think it's because <laughs> if your parents didn't watch these shows in prime time, you didn't see them. Because I don't know about you guys, we had one TV, and oh, my mom does not watch TV. If my dad was home, we watched what he watched, and until we got cable, he wasn't a big fan of Maud. Nope, nope, wasn't a big fan of Maud. Didn't care for all in the family. Mary Tyler Moore and Bob Newhart, the Mary Tyler Moore Productions uh, cavalcade. He Cinematic was down universe. with. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I watched a crap ton of uh, like One Day at a Time, which also led into Alice. And that was the one that did resonate. Short woman, single mom. That that was the yeah. one that I, I saw my mother in. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that was the one that, that always sort of uh, stuck with me. I didn't really watch a lot of Maud when it was on because I, we I just we were too little, so caught most of them in reruns. I like the idea though of all these shows appearing in in the wake of the feminist movement and basically saying, okay, here's real people who are women who are busting their asses. The Maud one was kind of funny because she was not busting her ass; she was just angry. No, and that was funny. But the others were. You know, women going. Look, it's not just about. Well, it, but too, it's, I don't know. if you look at them too, it, it's a tonally different thing. Like Mary Tyler Moore, yeah, uh, was all more about the character-driven thing. Uh, so it was never all up in your face. Yeah, I guess that's where I'm going. They were about people who are trying to like deal with a society that's not quite giving them a fair shake, but they're gonna try and get it anyway. I, I liked that. The thing is, also, I never thought of it until now because. Mary Tyler Moore was actually funny. One day at a time, just had two hot daughters. And uh, <laughs> Alice, I barely remember, except that it took place in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, and Kiss My Grits. Kiss My Grits! <laughs> yeah, and then had that great end of the theme song. Because <laughs> the theme songs are the other part, too. Because if you look at Mary Tyler Moore versus Maud, so Mary Tyler Moore's is Who Can Turn the World On With a Smile? 
and then you're gonna make it after all. It's like really positive and uplifting. And then Maud is just that uncompromising enterprise and anything but tranquilizing. Right on, Maud. Gotta love those seventies themes theme songs though. <laughs> They're amazing. How many of them were written by Alan Thick? Uh four. Only four. I I thought he did more than that I anyway. Don't know. I know he did different know. strokes, which cracks me up. But um with, with different but, strokes also a, a Norman Lear production, but he didn't have anything to do with it. And they cast Conrad Bain, who was in Maud. As as the Republican neighbor. Yeah. He was the George Jefferson of Maud. And Rue McClanahan was his wife, who would later go on to Golden Girls. And Susan Harris wrote for Maud, who create who was the creator of Golden Girls and Soap and whatnot. It's all very connected. But that thing about working class women actually is also a setup for good times. Yeah. The the maid um, from Maud gets her own show, and they you're right. You know they're they're trying to use the all in the family formula. They're saying, okay, we're gonna do here's here's how conservatives are dumb and in all in the family. Here's how liberals are dumb in in uh, Maud and. Uh, well, in Jefferson's, it's George Jefferson is basically the ethnic version of Archie Bunker. Yeah, and then Good Times took on like you know the social issues like gang violence and and shit like that. But all of anybody remembers is JJ. Dynamite. Well, the thing I didn't realize when I was reading into this is Good Times is co-created by the guy that played Lionel Jefferson. Oh. And it's based on his upbringing in Chicago in like the the fifties. I'm trying to remember if many of these shows were funny. I mean, I really don't, like, all in the family, there were certainly moments, but I can't think of that one really hilarious all in the family, and I can't, God Christ, all these spinoffs I just mentioned, I can't remember any of the episodes, frankly. No, that's, uh, yeah, I can't either. The funniest thing that I found when we were uh, prepping for this thing uh, was an actual link to the Carol Burnett show where they did a skit spoofing Maud, and it was (laughs) so spot on, because basically you had... Uh, Vicky Lawrence as the daughter who's in the sh- who in the real show is played by Adrian Barboobs. Adrian Barbo and and her left breast and also her right breast. I'd like to do a sideshow just on her and her breasts because they're yeah. fucking magnificent. Well, I've never seen them because she won't show them, but I do remember hey, Creep Show and just thinking I can watch this no, with the sound off. It's wonderful. Eric, uh, you just need to watch. Were you talking Swamp about something Thing. other than other than Adrian Barbo? Because I was just doing a little it's, side. It's it's Adrian Barboobs, uh-huh. sir. <laughs> uh, use the correct terminology. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> that, this went south really fast. Escape yeah. from New but York. It, it, that was pretty awesome because Adrian Barbo <laughs> had those big breasts in him again, <laughs> and damn. Okay, that's all uh, I'm going to say is just okay. Damn. Well, these are all terms. For breasts, knees, bust, tits, cans, jugs, melons. Well, welcome to the Magnificent Boobs podcast. Yes, um, yeah. they were magnificent. Okay. There is no question. Seriously, they were. We are three of the biggest much. boobs you will ever hear. Yes, <laughs> but uh, okay. but Carol Burnett did a, did a spot on uh, parody of it, and basically Vicky Lawrence's character. The one that made me laugh was that she's. She was talking about uh, her eight-year-old son, which nobody has ever seen. <laughs> right. Kept making reference to that. Because apparently you never see the kid in Maud. And it's like, yeah, that's actually true. I don't recall seeing that kid ever. Swamp Thing. She, Adrian Barbeau was in Swamp Thing. And she was actually in a tight-fitting, wet kind of dress. And you could really almost see her boobs. No, you do see her boobs, Eric. I thought we covered this. Swamp Thing? No, we did not cover Swamp Thing. What's the topic? <laughs> I'm so lost. Uh, it's uh, Norman King Lear. Yeah. And the, uh, well, the other thing too, because we're talking about the interconnectivity of it. And then Eric, when we were prepping the show, uh, brought up the whole, how it's like the Marvel universe. Yeah. So I thought it was a funny concept. And then I actually started thinking, well, where would this lie if we were to overlay that actual Because I do template? think, as I, as I said in my intro, uh, the All in the Family is Norman Lear's Iron Man. It's the one that kicks yep. off the whole thing. Are we are we all agreed that Archie Bunker is Iron Man in this analogy? Yeah, yeah, sure. The one that works the best, the one that's the most enjoyable, uh, the one with the least kinks to work through, just like Marvel. The one with the biggest mouth, the one that you know kind of rubs everybody else the wrong way. I mean, mm-hmm. he, yeah, Archie Bunker is yeah. Iron Man, which which in my mind means that Edith is War Machine. 
Edith is the person who, who puts up with all of Archie's crap and goes along with it anyway. I would have said Pepper Potts because I want Pepper Potts to go away all the time. But uh, <laughs> sure. so then, what would that make? Would Maude be uh, what Thor? Sure. I Maude I had is- Maude as Black Widow. Um, sexist. You're so sexist. No, there's a reason for it, and that was <laughs> it, it was because of the. Uh, for some reason, I don't know. Actually, it makes no sense at all. I was going to say shifting alliances because, but it you just wanted work at all. you just wanted B. Arthur in the leather getup. That's what you wanted. You know, you got me. We're back to the boobs. <laughs> you know, B. Arthur. Maud, I thought of as uh, Thor. That's yeah. I thought of Maud as Thor. That's what I was saying. And and Adrian Barbeau was in the Cannonball Run, and she had this really tight fitting <laughs> kind of uh, unitard thing, and she like zips it halfway down to make the cop look her cleavage so she doesn't get a ticket. Um, Maud. Yeah. Right on. Right on, Maud. Right on. Right on, Maud. <laughs> Okay. So then, what else have you so got? So then, George. I think George Jefferson would be the Hulk because he gets very angry very quickly about nothing. All right, I'll go there. I'll go hmm. there. Yeah. Um. Who's Meathead? Yeah. Who is That'd the be most annoying person? Yeah, Hawkeye is annoying. Okay. Uh, I had him as Cap just because he argues with with uh, Archie, but I'm not really gonna defend it. Yeah. It's it's there's there's I, no I, winners in this I scenario. Do have, I do have this JJ from Good Times as Ant Man. <laughs> just comedy and should be taken seriously uh, uh. I love the fact that basically everybody on that show ended up quitting just because they made them say dynamite every episode yeah. right. dynamite! and so it's like the giant fuck you it's like well shit <laughs> well that was like Maya Angelou <laughs> stepped in and said uh, black people don't talk this way can you please not keep doing that and they kept doing that and the whole cast was like oh shit she's right this is this is sort of backdoor racism. <laughs> exactly. Uh, when I was watching the Jeffersons, and it was the first episode when they hire Marla Gibbs. I can't remember the, her name in the show, but uh, you had the, the interracial couple. Mm-hmm. Right. Which was uh, Tom and I can't remember her name. So, number one, they, they named the token white guy in the show. Well, I guess he's not the token white guy because you got Mr. Bentley next door. But, uh, but Tom, I thought that was a strange choice for sort of the, the, the embodiment of white privilege uh, in the Jefferson's world. But it was also an interracial marriage so that they could, you know, do gags about that. Well, that started in, in All in the Family. Like, Lionel was going to marry a woman who had uh, mixed-race parents, and George Jefferson had a problem with it. Yeah, he did. But uh, the actress who plays the mom married to Tom, that's Lenny Kravitz's mom. Really? Just a little trivia for you. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I have heard that. That's true. Yeah, okay. Because I've heard that one time. That is true. But what an asshole thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that once, so it's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I back that up, so that is fact. <laughs> I've, I've cross-referenced to three different sources, uh, all with no, the same no, story. No, he cross-referenced so. to, I think I heard that once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, what else we got? Uh, so then Adrian Barbeau was in briefly, the fog. <laughs> <laughs> that that must sucks because there's fog blurring things you can't see her very well. So what else? And that was her first. It was her first movie too. So this is a young Adrian Barbeau. Pert is the word that we're going to use. Um, what yes. are we talking about? The, oh, that's right. All in the family. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, and then and then I did watch uh, an episode of Rhoda. Because uh, I'd forgotten all about Rhoda. And you had Carlton, your doorman. Wasn't that Mary, Mary Tyler Moore cinematic universe? Yeah. You... Yeah. We're in the, we're in DC now. Oh, my God. Well. Wait, where are did we? It, did it confuse you? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Everything everything is washed out. There's no color. I'm confused. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I love the Mary Tyler Moore show. I really love the Chuckles the Clown episode. I think that's a classic. I watched that one yesterday. That one. I love it. I've, I, I piss myself every time it comes on. It is absolutely perfect. Uh, Rhoda, I don't care for. I didn't ever really watch it much. I think I think just because Rhoda's voice was too much like being yelled at by my mom for a half hour, it was just great. Well, that and, and but, that stupid theme song in the, I think it was second series when they, they did, where it's just the... And it was no words. It was just little kids going la 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 la. It's so awful. 
But Phyllis is underrated genius. That only got one season, and Phyllis was great. And I think because Chorus Leachman is a genius. Well, yeah, that goes without saying. So somehow now we're in the Mary Tyler Moore uh, integrated universe. Did Bob Newhart ever make an appearance in the Mary Tyler Moore land? Because that would have been great. I don't think so. I couldn't find any reference to it, so I don't think so. The Bob Newhart show, though, is in fact in the same universe as Newhart. Yes. 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 Yes, because of that final episode. Honey, wake up. You you won't believe the dream I just had. Mm. But don't you want to hear about it? All right, Bob. (laughs) What is it? I, I was an innkeeper in this crazy little town in Vermont. I noticed in Rhoda that her boss, uh, she works at like a costume factory or something. Uh, her boss is the guy that will, will go on to play Baron Harkonnen in the David Lynch version of Dune. And that kind of threw me. Because ah. all I could see was just a giant fat guy with pustules floating in this weird suit. <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> just, who controls the me. space controls the universe. <laughs> controls the universe. And I have so, a plan. Yeah. <laughs> Someone very close, very close to the baton. But you brought up the Chuckles episode of Mary Tyler Moore. And, uh, and yeah, I'm with you. That's probably among the finest 30 minutes of, of TV ever yeah, yeah. committed. I, I bet TV Guide has done one of their boring lists of best shit ever. I mean, that would be a great cover, right? TV Guide, best shit ever. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's going to be in the top. T- it's kind of like when MTV would do a, a best, you know, one million videos of all time. And they're like, just, what was the joke they did? It's like, well, we're just going to throw a bunch of videos together and end it all with Thriller. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah, it's kind of the thriller of best TV show episodes. But the Chuckles one, because you go through the all of the jokes that Murray's making uh, through the entire thing that are really in poor taste, but really funny, and they're all laughing. And then they're at the funeral, and Mary's laughing through the whole thing until she gets called out, and then she starts crying. And it's like this weird roller coaster, but you get the whole line at the end with the eulogy. It's a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down my pants, and everybody laughs. <laughs> It's good. I, I guess unless you've seen it, I've you're seen not going to get it. Oh, God damn it. Go see it. <laughs> I bet the whole thing is on YouTube. It is so probably funny. And no, yeah, no, actually, no, I take it. it back. I take it back. It's not so funny. It's okay. Because when you hear somebody say, oh, it's so funny, it's never any good. When you get it built up too much, <laughs> it sucks ass. So you know what? No, don't bother yourself. Don't bother yourself. One iota. I don't want to ruin this for you. Um, <laughs> but you know something, something else though uh 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 remember back to school in 1986 i do adrian barbeau was in that but she but you couldn't really see much of her chesticles because you know it was a little later adrian barbeau but it was adrian barbeau and uh you know Uh, in these 70s shows i was more focused on Mackenzie phillips and valerie bertinelli personally but yeah uh, it's me no Uh, no 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 adrian barbeau adrian barbeau yeah well, and, you know, just to throw you entirely off as well, uh, I watched a bunch of soap over this weekend as well. Uh, just because. Oh, God damn it. I loved soap. Soap was. <laughs> this is the story of two sisters, yeah. Jessica yeah. Tate and Mary I lo- Campbell. I love soap. These are the Tates. These are the Tates. And these, these are, are the, the Campbells. Campbells. And this is. <laughs> soap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, re- I remember you trying to get me to watch soap back in the day, and I just didn't. Oh, it's, it's one of those. I remember when it had marathoned on like the comedy network or something. This is mm. back in like 92 or 93. Mm. Uh, and all of them had, had aired all at once. And by the 10th episode, you're just loopy because they do the recap. And then these are the Tates and these are the Campbells. And then they play that fucking theme song and it just filters into your brain like an earworm. Well, it was like the New Year's Day. I mean, we, we were we were at the, you know, Casa de la, you know. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. And we were all up, you know, drinking and drugging and being awesome. And Allegedly. that was on. And we sit down <laughs> and no. Well, OK. Yeah. When I say drugs, I mean like Dimatap. And Tylenol, and I—I I needed some Drizdan because I was a little drippy. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, so we had all this cold medication, and we're watching uh, soap one after another, after another, after and, another, and peanut butter crank. Yeah, and we learned that song by 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 the end of it, we were all doing yeah. harmonies of the theme song every time it would start because <laughs> we've been amazing. at it for five six hours. Amazing. I vaguely remember this uh, happening. I think I think I actually showed up to that apartment like in the middle of you guys doing all of that. <laughs> yeah, was that when you walked in the door? I've got a box of snacks, stoned wheat thins. <laughs> Could have been. I, I'll be honest. I think that was the uh, evening and the 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 episode where you were you were out like a light, and we were talking about setting you on fire. Oh I no, think that no, was that was that was Tetsuo the Iron Man, and that oh, was New yeah. Year's. Uh, yeah, those, yeah, those were the days. Well, Someday that story will be told. But I just wanted to bring up soap just because I'd forgotten all of the absolutely batshit uh, storylines. Because you look at all in the family, mod, etc. They're all very issues-based, and so it's all very right up in your face. Uh, this is what we're talking about, and we're going to make some jokes, and then everybody's going to learn a lesson. But soap was not concerned with any of that. They just had like weird peripheral issues that kind of filtered in. But I remember that... Uh, uh, what was the Corinne character who ended up having the affair with the priest? Yeah. And then she got pregnant and then it like had the exorcist baby. Right. I thought, what the, f-? when I watched that, I was just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. I mean, that's just, that's inspired that they could put that on the network. And then the kid who was like Scott Bayo's brother, Jimmy Bayo, I think, uh, ended up getting involved with like a, like a weird paramilitary militia group somewhere. Right. And Scott Bayo's brother, who wasn't even famous enough to make it into moving violations. <laughs> exactly. I, what I remember loving the most about the, oh, his thing was later on, he goes back to school. He has an affair with his teacher in school. She falls in love with him. He breaks it off. And then it becomes this hilarious running gag where she runs into the room like, I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to kill myself and we'll be together forever. And it goes wrong every time. <laughs> and she keeps doing it. I'm going to blow myself. I'm going to kill you and kill me. We'll be together. And it's like the sickest, wonderfulest running gag every yeah. week. Yeah, that and the, uh, and the little, the, the young, young brother or whatever on Mary's side of the family who was the ventriloquist. Yeah. Uh, was always doing weird, creepy things. And then the, the grandpa or whatever uh, who was so shell-shocked. The general. Yeah, the general. And then you got Benson being super snide through the entire thing. You have Jody, who I think is the first like fully rounded gay character in a sitcom, but then they go and do weird shit like make him a transvestite. And it's like, gays aren't transvestites. <laughs> gays are happy being gays, and transvestites are generally straight. Uh, I, I was like, we, we just know that he's kind of sexually wacky. That's all we really know. Yeah. So it was a... Uh, that was the end of the decade, so that's a that's a weird bridge to me to go from like uh, all in the family, and that sort of thing, and then you can sort of see the general shift until you get a show like Soap, uh, who in which in my mind is is a much funnier, much better show uh, today mm -hmm. than All in the Family is because so it was it's actually a, it's a weird. I think it was more concerned with being funny. I think ultimately, okay, that's that's how I would conclude the Norman Lear cinematic universe. It was more interested in social commentary than actually being funny most of the time. And it was effective. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, th I think the Chuck Barris game show uh, 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 series was more interested in being insane than an actual game show. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Soap was just funny. Yeah. Too bad they killed it. Bitches. And there were plenty of other sitcoms, you know. At, in the 70s that were that were silly and we kind of deliberately left them out but it's not like everything was all in the family honorable mention goes to uh mary hartman mary hartman which is also a norman mary leader hartman! Uh, and that presage soap and, and ooh, hey interesting super bizarre interesting a uh, bit of connection there too fernwood tonight yeah is a talk show that was supposed to take place in the tonight, universe of mary hartman mary hartman tonight. which takes place in mm -hmm. fernwood and that was the conceit they were like we want to have a talk show that would happen in the world of mary hartman and that was what martin mull martin mull and fred durst fred fred, fred willard. willard willard i always get those those yeah. freds mixed up yeah <laughs> i i want to see fred willard front limp biscuit now thank you <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i do too bomb chicka ball uh i did it all for the booty come on now the booty come on now the booty come on now <laughs> 
I did it all for the nookie. Come on, the nookie. Come on, so you can take that cookie and stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. All right. So, do we have closing thoughts here? 70s sitcoms kind of sucked. Can I say that? Can I just, I mean, uh, Soap was was our exception. Uh, an episode of Mary Tyler Moore was an exception. And there are a, a couple of funny mashes. But on the whole, the 70s in terms of comedy was over-concerned with b- exploring social shit and not being funny. And then you had Bob Newhart. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. And Taxi. I like Taxi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then this other exception. Yeah, and the exception, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the thing that I wanted to call out, and, and this is true of really all television up to about 1995, is that it was a shared cultural thing. It wasn't so much that All in the Family was popular because it was funny. It was popular because it reflected the culture back at people, and it was a thing that everybody experienced at the same time and were then you know, it was part of the conversation. Other way to say that is we all watched it because we didn't have a choice. Also true. There were only three channels. Yeah, there were, there were only three channels and uh, there was no cable. Syndication wasn't a big thing yet. So that being said, stuck. I may have to eat those words because let's face it, everybody thinks that we're watching everything in our own filter bubbles, but for some reason we've all seen the same viral videos. We've all seen the same memes. So there's still a shared culture. It's just different. Well, Eric and I don't watch Game of Thrones so we're sharing that. Mm. And I didn't watch Breaking Bad and yeah, or Walking Dead. Yeah, and I haven't watched that. I didn't see 1990s Two Evil Eyes, which apparently Adrian Barbeau is in. And I'm going to have to go watch that <laughs> because there's the off chance she's going to wear something sheer. But John Amos appears to be in it. And John Amos was the dad on uh, Good Times, where, uh, which, as we said, is related to Maud. And Maud is the show where Adrian Barbeau first appeared with those lovely tatas. I think he's also in that uh, 704, uh, whatever you called it. John Amos? 704 Hauser. Ah, yeah. There, we've, we've come full circle. Yes, we have. Okay, yeah, we, that's my callback. Uh, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to wrap this up by saying Adrian Barbeau. Guys, what do you got? If you want to send tweets about, to Eric about <laughs> other movies Adrian Barbeau has been in, you can hit us up at MagHuge on Twitter, or you can tell us about Adrian Barbeau on Facebook, where we are facebook.com slash magnificentlyhuge. Uh, you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com pictures of Adrian Barbeau. And if you're good at Photoshop yes. and you make those nudie fakes of celebrities and you want to plug Adrian Barbeau's head onto a pair of uh, you know, yabos, then, then just up. send them on to me. Shut up. Shut up. Oh, God. Abort podcast. Abort podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 